The Culture Guy Podcast, Episode 4. Today with a guest from Canada. And also a little gift for all of you. Welcome to episode four of the Culture Guy podcast. This is the year end issue where you'll hear a little bit about how my year went and I'm going to ask you about your year and we're going to talk a little bit about how you can make the next year the best year ever. So welcome to the Culture Guy podcast. This is the show dedicated to all of you who are passionate about cultures and how culture influences everything we do. The way we talk, the way we listen, the way we act or react and the way we feel and the way we see the world. This is a show and a place for you to connect and engage with people from around the world who care about cultural understanding and making meaningful global connections and also fostering diversity. Together on this program, we are learning how culture shapes all of our behaviors and how we can inspire, motivate, lead, and communicate better across cultures. I'm your host, Christian Hoeverle. Many people call me the culture guy, and I'm hoping that you continue to follow us on our journey to becoming agents of peace. Because I'm a strong believer that together we will make uh, the world a more, much more peaceful place by helping people from different cultures understand each other much better. All right. So episode four, this is starting to become a routine. I hope listening is also fun for you and not a routine. Um, get excited for the new um, interview guests on the program. I've recorded a whole lot of interviews already for us going into the new year. So stay excited, people, because there's more coming your way. Today we're talking to a friend and mentor of mine who is from Canada, and I'll tell you a little bit more about him later. But first of all, I would like to present you with a gift. In the Western world, it is about to be Christmas, or it was just Hanukkah and Kwanzaa is going on, so the Western folks know what this means. It's a gift-giving season. And, well, I've got a little gift for you. Stay put. Because my friend Adam Markell, he is the CEO of a company called New Peaks. It's a self and personal development company out of California. He recently finished writing his book. His book is called Pivot, um, and it's about the art and science of reinventing your career and life, and or the art and science, if you will, of improving 
improving your ability to connect with people because that's what we all do as we cross cultures we are pivoting in a little bit we are changing the way we go about things right and Adam's book is, is brilliant and it teaches a concept the concept of pivoting only of adjusting your behaviors a little bit making a five degree angle shift and see the change accumulating over a course of time uh, the book will come out via Simon and Schuster, and it'll hit the bookshelves and the stores in April 2016. So when I say I'm going to make you a gift for for end of year, um, April 2016 is quite a ways away. But I have something for you. Since Adam allowed me or gave me the privilege to sell this book, or at least give access to this book before it actually hits the shelves, I'm privileged to gift it to you so all you do is you go to the website the culture mastery forward slash blog where it says a gift for those who want an amazing 2016 and you'll see the link to to that article or to that blog post in the show notes so don't worry you know no need to write this down you'll find it in the show notes and you'll see the article, you'll see the book, um, you'll see Adam, and I'm, going, I'm explaining a little bit what the book is about. But most of all, there are links in this article that will send you to the pre-sale website. And I'm not going to charge you. The book is, I don't know what Simon & Schuster is charging. I think they're going to charge somewhere around $25 US dollars for this book. Um, you get the book for free. Um, can I get a round of applause for that? And I wish I could hear you. And the only thing that I ask you to take care of is shipping and handling. Within North America, I think it's less than $8. If you're shipping overseas, it might be a little more. Um, the website will find out for you. So all you take care of is shipping and handling, and you'll be the first ones to receive the book once it's out of the printing press. The What's even more exciting and what most people don't realize with this book, Pivot, you will also receive two tickets to an event called reignite that's an event that adam and his company new peaks is organizing and they're doing this in various cities around north america and they are doing it overseas as well in singapore and in australia so you just get your book get your address in there so they know where to send the book to and before the book even comes out you have access to these two tickets to the reignite weekend it's a weekend event it's going to be amazing it's basically teaching everything that pivot the book is, is containing the, all these concepts of making adjustments in your life and career and you get to go for free you and a significant other or somebody that you would like to take get to go for free to a reignite event that's uh, i should have checked the numbers on this but i think that's a six or seven hundred dollar value per ticket um, and that's my gift to you, my dear listeners. For those of you who enjoy the show and stay with this program, everything you need to know about Pivot and how to get the book and how to get to Reignite, you'll find on the website. Go check the show notes and it'll be all there for you to find out. So with that being said, um, that's a good segue into our guest that we're talking to today. It's a friend of mine. He's become a mentor and he is amazing because he is the master trainer for this company, New Peaks. His name is Robert Riopel. 
and he hails from Calgary, Alberta. He'll tell you all about us, uh, all about him. So um, Robert travels the world extensively, and he has a very unique way to adjust to different cultures. He doesn't necessarily do it the way that most cross-culturalists or interculturalists would teach. So he's got a unique approach, which I really, really like. It's not science-based. It's not based on any methodology of cross-cultural teaching. But the man has a point. You'll find out. So without further ado, let's talk to Robert. Welcome, Robert. I'm so happy to have you on this program today. Um, I never know where you are in the world. You travel so much. Where are you today? Well, actually, believe it or not, Christian, I'm at home. Oh, wow. I'm at wow. home for a couple of days. Well, how's that for a change? You know, it's nice, and it's funny because, you know, you and I are going to be talking about culture, and sometimes being at home is almost like a culture shock because mm -hmm. it's readjusting back to the culture of being the everyday guy that I am. And, and you know, wife likes to put it, sometimes it's coming back to reality because it's not people waiting on me hand and foot for everything I need. <laughs> you know, I get to be, oh, honey, is that honey-do list? Uh, honey, go cut the lawn. Or, honey, we need to do paint the wall. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's a beautiful adjustment, and it's one of the things that keeps me grounded. Nice. So you live, you and your wife, you and your pig. Um, I think you should tell your people, uh, my, my listeners, about your pig. But you guys live in Calgary, Alberta. And, but but you travel extensively for for your work. Um, so why don't you tell our listeners um, what what your typical travel schedule looks like? What 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 type of countries you travel to to work in? Well, you know, I'll give you. Let me give you the example from uh, the end of June to the end of August, and and because that was a little bit of a busy me. And so I started off, and I was in Orlando, Florida, at the very end of June, last week of June. And then I took a, about a week and a half off at home. And then all of a sudden, I ended up in Georgia, just outside of Atlanta. From there, I was home for a couple days before I flew out to Bangkok, Thailand. From Bangkok, Thailand, I went directly to Taipei, Taiwan. From Taipei, Taiwan, I actually flew to Tokyo, Japan. I came home for nine days of camping because when I got home, I hit the ground. It's running. It's summertime. My wife and I love to go camping, so we spent some time camping. And then I was back to um, Bangalore, India. From Bangalore, India, I landed back home for 24 hours before I flew down to Los Angeles for the end of August. And so that was a two-month period of time. I'm hitting those different destinations. Wow. So <laughs> I, I told our listeners before we went on the call what you do and that you're a master trainer uh, for New Peaks. Not everybody um, may be familiar with the work, the type of work that you do. Um, if, if I describe you as somebody who is in self-development that only scratches the surface. So when you work internationally with lots and lots of people, how would you describe yourself? What what is it you do? Well, and that's an interesting question, Christian, because some people say, "Oh, you're a motivational speaker, or you're a motivational trainer," and I used to kind of cringe when they'd say that because, like you just said, that kind of scratches the surface. So the way I look at it is, I am a life transforming trainer, mm. and the reason I say that is because I don't people see what they could do or 
what's been holding them back and how to take the next step. But I help create in each person's life, and it doesn't matter if I'm in front of 100 people, one person, or 6,000 people. Everybody's different, and we can help pinpoint, and when I'm on stage, I help people walk through processes that allow them to identify things in themselves, own how amazing they are, and then not just motivate them to make change, but we help them make change, permanent change, on a cellular level, where all of a sudden, they don't just hear about it and think about it, they walk out knowing it and doing it, if that makes sense. Oh, yes. I'm, I'm testimony to that. I've, I've, that's how I got to know you. I've been in, in one of those seats when you were talking on stage, and, and I can only confirm that what you do has a lasting impact, and it's affected my personal and my professional life. So, yes, um, you, you do change people on a cellular level. What intrigues me about the work that you do is that you don't only do it in North America. Yes, you're Canadian, and you do a lot of work in the United States, and yes, there may be some subtle differences between those two countries. Hint, hint. Um, however, <laughs> you, you, you also do a lot of that work in Asia, and I was intrigued by the way you present yourself on stage because, uh, as far as I see, you do not really change the way you present yourself on stage depending on the location. You are who you are and you appeal to people in your way no matter where you are. So a lot of the cross-cultural discussion that I've had in my professional life and with colleagues that do what I do, there's often a, a heavy focus on the differences between culture, on what separates different cultures. When I see you work, it's more about what unites us and what brings us together. What are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, and I just, I actually just got what I call one of the greatest feelings in the world, goosebumps, mm. as you were talking, because that, you know, and, and I'm not going to profess to be smart or brilliant, I'm just me. And luckily, I stumble into some things, some lessons in life that have helped me not only change my life, but um, it impacts the people around me because I love to share stories, as you've noticed on stage. And, you know, I'll tell you. Never, until 2007, I'd never traveled outside of Canada and the U.S., That was my exposure to world cultures. And it was because of a last minute decision and a um, um, almost like a getting thrown into things that I actually learned, which has probably been one of the greatest lessons that helps me around the world. And that, that is to be me in other countries and be me around other cultures. Because you're right, I've traveled extensively every year through Asia. I've been through Australia, all through Europe, you know, all through North America. You know, I'll be going through South Africa, down into, um, South America. I'll be all over the world even more. And I learned from the very first time in 2007 when I went to Singapore. And, and you tell that story how I learned this and what the lesson is? Yes. Okay, perfect. So I'm getting ready to do a training and I don't know, you know, we're the um, New Peaks, we only ever were in North America at the time. And the founder of the company, T. Harvecker, was asked to come over to Asia, to Singapore. And they wanted him only, only him as the CEO, as the author of the book, president of the company. He was the only one they wanted to come and do the training. And so as part of his negotiating with them, he said, look, 
I haven't done this course by myself in years. I'm only guaranteeing you I'm going to be here a year. I don't do this on my own anymore. I need to bring someone over. I need to get to your audience used to a new person. And so with two weeks before the event, all of a sudden I got a call saying, hey, Robert, go to Singapore. And of course I'm like, no, I don't want to go to another country. Never twist my rubber arm. Let's go. And that was one of the greatest things that could have happened was that it was being last minute. Because Christian, they never had the opportunity to tell me the rules of the culture. And so when I landed in Singapore, I learned a little bit, but I made the decision I didn't have enough time to learn everything. So in my mind, for some reason, I went, I'm just going to be me. And because I had learned, and, and I'm, I used to be a huge people pleaser. And I don't know if any of your listeners can relate to being a people pleaser. But luckily, I had learned that a while ago, too, in my journey that I have to be me. Either you're going to like me, great, or you're not, great. And I'm okay with either way. So I got into Singapore. I step on stage, and I've got 5,600 audience members in front of me. Oh, wow. And all a brand new culture. Now, their main language of business is English. So at this one, we only have two other languages for a small portion of the audience being translated. The majority of people speak English. But it's a totally different culture than anything I've ever been used to. Mm -hmm. And so I was just me. And on the second day, the promoter of the event comes up to me behind stage because every break I have people dancing on the stage. I have 300 plus people crammed on the stage dancing if they're not on the seats dancing, standing up, moving. And he pulls me to the side and he goes, Robert. And I said, yeah, Richard. He goes, I have a question. And I said, what is it? He goes, how you do that? And I said, how do I do what, Richard? He looks at me, he goes, Singaporeans don't dance. Mm -hmm. And so I looked at him. I looked at the stage, which was full of people. I looked at him. I looked back at the stage. I go, yes, they do. <laughs> he goes, no, they don't. They don't dance. And I realized in that moment that in their culture, to save face as an individual, they don't express themselves necessarily. But because I had given them permission, I had provided a safe place for them to have fun and express themselves, they jumped on the opportunity. Nice. Nice. Now. And, they, and it was a beautiful thing to see. And that taught me that. Well, when, when you are when you're the one that creates that safe space, when you're the one that creates that container in which the audience feels safe to act outside of their usual normal, outside of their box, so to say, or outside of their comfort zone, um, do you ever see the the cultural norm outside of the uh, the classroom when you roam the streets of Taipei or when you um, when you interact with people outside of your training room on the streets or in the shops or in the restaurants of the locations that you go to. Yes, and so I'm always respectful of culture. 
can change myself fit their culture. I want to be me. And, uh, um, and uh, we see the impact when I meet people on the street because I'm just me. And I tend to attract people to my energy. And it, it, even if I'm by myself, I'm smiling. I'm having fun. And so I end up meeting some of the most amazing people because of that. Because I'm not trying to fit in. I'm not trying to fit a mold. I'm just like, here's who I am. Wow, I'm in a new country. I want to learn about this culture. And so, and, and that may be one of the differences too, Christian, for me is that when I go to a country, I don't just sit in my hotel room if I have extra time. I will go hop on the subway, hop on a, a transit bus, and I will go and explore. And I will get to see people in their everyday cultures. And if you pay you'll notice that people are expressing their individually individuality everywhere mm-hmm. it's just a lot of cultures don't want to focus on people's differences or their individuality they want to try to fit them into a mold mm-hmm. and that doesn't work for me mm-hmm. well on on the surface what you're what you're telling me here it's for for the traditional interculturalist that is a quote unquote a, a dangerous proposition to go into a country uh, rather unprepared and just be yourself and and see what happens that is usually not what cultural trainers would recommend to their students however and this is what i'm picking up in in what you're saying you are not only being yourself when you enter these countries you're also showing your most vulnerable side you're willing to make mistakes and you're willing to be well at least corrected or educated on on in situations when you perhaps make a mistake and in your you don't take it personal so is that maybe one of the keys to success for working across cultures that without if, if we don't take ourselves personal and if we don't take ourselves too important, then it may be much easier to um, recover from cultural gaffes. And I think you just hit it right on the head right there. Because have I made mistakes in other cultures? Oh, oh, oh yeah. And I do. I make a correction. Someone points it out to me, whether it was a hand gesture, whether there was something I said and you know and that's where being aware and sensitive and, and I'll give you an example of that have you ever heard of the country um, called Brunei yes okay here is this very wealthy country mm-hmm. on the island of Borneo 450,000 people in this country and they are very oil rich and they are a heavy Muslim country mm-hmm. and so I was going to do an event there for the first time and part of their culture is they have a lot of different times during the day where they have their prayers. And so I needed to respect that, which I had no problem. Another part of their culture is that they don't um, hug. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they, they, men can hug men or whatever. Women can hug women, but they won't hug a man. It, it's just not a, you know something there. And so not only because, as you are aware, do I do a long, intensive day of training, but that doesn't just go 9 to 5. It goes to 9 in the morning till 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night. So all of a sudden, I have this very intensive days to do, but at the same time, I've also got to fit in seven prayer breaks. Mm. Seven prayer breaks. 
And so I could have got frustrated. I could have, you know, got into the energy of no, I'm going to make it work my way. They have to, and it was like, no, you know, let's find a happy medium. And we did, and they loved it. And on the first day of the training, it was, you know, this comes to context. You as being a new trainer, you're really learning about this, and you know the importance of context. Context, yes. Text. Con I said a context that let's learn together. Yeah, there's a lot of things I'm going to teach you. And it was interesting that by on Friday, it was a lot of handshaking, a little bit of high-fiving. By Sunday, not only was there high-fiving and handshaking, but there was a heck of a lot of hugging going on. Go figure. <laughs> really. Wow. And, and people were having a blast. Mm. I respected their culture. And, and I even get it in North America because you get a lot of, you know, North America is a melting pot of cultures. And so I've done trainings where, yes, because of faith, someone um, has to leave at a certain time. Not a problem. Or someone, you know, okay, if you're dealing a man talking to a woman, you can maybe high five, no hug. And that's part of their belief in their culture. Not a problem. I will be respectful of that. I will never force someone to see things my way. I will just present things and it either works for them or not. And I believe one of the, and this is just my opinion, one of the biggest issues in our culture around the world today is people trying to force their beliefs and their views and their ways of being on others. Mm. And that's why I love to focus on the similarities. Instead of saying, Here's what's different between us. Conform to my way. It's like, wow, I want to find what's similar. Oh, you've got a warped sense of humor like me? Perfect. <laughs> I'm going to like you. And I want to focus on those similarities, not the differences. Nice. So I, I couldn't help but overhear that you mentioned the fact that you made several mistakes overseas. So are you willing to share some of your cultural fool moments when you stepped on the bomb and noticed it too late? <laughs> sure. Sure. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, the very first one was in uh, when I was in Singapore. I made a hand gesture and someone came up to me after at a break and they said, Robert, just want to let you know that gesture you made means something very rude here. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, okay, got it. What, what was the gesture? So our audience may take a learning from that. Yeah, what did you I, do? I had my left hand and I put my hand down and I snapped my fingers, but at the same time I took my right hand and I tapped the top of my left hand. Mm. And it's something... I very seldom... I I just did that, and in I guess in their culture that means something very vulgar, very rude, okay. <laughs> very sexual, and so it's like okay. <laughs> and and interesting thing was because I didn't put a lot of energy to it, it happened, and people got over it. There it was someone just casually mentioned it to let me know, okay. and it was like okay, got it, and I made a note, never okay. did it again. Okay. Nice, nice. Did did you have to publicly? recover from that was there was it necessary for you to to make an apology or was it just it, it happened you noticed it or somebody pointed out to you you corrected the course and then continued safely well, yeah yeah okay and, and that and that's the beautiful thing about being who you are 
Because by the time I had done that, people knew it wasn't I was doing to be um, sexual or malicious or whatever. They knew it was just part of me being me, and it was you know something that maybe is okay in my culture. And 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 if look at TV today, when you know, because you said something there that it is when you're in the spotlight, it is easy to make say something that is that can offend people. But here's my here's my opinion on that, and and a lot of people may not agree with me. The issue isn't that someone said it. The issue is also in the energy that's put around it, and the media or the um, you know the social um, media that can explode of oh my god look at what they just said mm. this is wrong for and and I'm going to use the example of this um, the racism is a big thing and only and again my opinion some of the biggest issues with racism is people who are so focused on finding racism in every single person because they're hunting in it and it's a, it's a universal principle you just finished wizard so you understand this that which you focus on expands and so because someone's looking for racism they're finding it everywhere and because they're so focused on it and they're pointing it out they're actually have making their life miserable because they're trying to find racism in everybody and because they're looking for it they're finding it even if a person isn't racist or even if a person's just being them, all of a sudden they're like, oh my goodness, I can't believe you said that. Don't you realize what you just did? It's like, wow, obviously you've got energy around it. Mm -hmm. And especially in today's instant media messaging, someone said something and it can be so blown out of context to make it so cultural, culturally um, inappropriate that had it just been left with what it was, it would have been a comment or it would have been a, um, in the moment thing, but also because it gets blown up, that's where, in my opinion, the issue begins. All right. Thanks for for stating that. That's a powerful point because, I mean, I'm, all I can say now is, is confirm what you just said. It's 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 the energy around it, and not always is it um, with bad intentions that people make mistakes. And I I, I usually tell my uh, program participants that. When you cross cultures or when you interact with people, period, it you make mistakes. You will step on other people's toes, and that is what we do as humans. Yeah, and um, you learn and you adjust. Yes, and, and unless you uh, unless you ignore those faux pas, then you're not going to learn anything from it. But make those mistakes and take a learning from it, and and be open to making those mistakes. And when you step on stage in Asia, you set the context. You let people know this is who I am. I'm this boisterous guy from Canada and I make jokes and I'm, I have a wicked kind of humor and people know what to expect and they will not necessarily see your cultural mistakes as offensive because you've already created that context that allows people to file that appropriately so it's um, it, it's different than going in to a new place and, and just ruffling everybody's feathers um, with, with bad intentions exactly and that's why you know, especially, you know, I was thinking about this since he passed recently, but Dr. Wayne Dyer, mm. one of my favorite, you know, stories of him is when he was about to step in front of a thousand people and do a very cultural, um, controversial talk. And a friend of his behind the stage said, you know, Wayne, you're about to, 
aren't you afraid of about what people are going to think about you, your reputation with this talk? And he said, I've got a thousand people in that audience, which means I have a thousand different reputations. Are you telling me I need to be worried about all of them? And Christian, think of the pressure we put on ourselves by thinking we have to please everybody. Fit in, oh my goodness, i got to step on uh, eggshells because I don't want to upset this culture or upset that person. That is a big burden that we carry on ourselves. Yes, I agree. So imagine what we could actually accomplish if we take that burden away. Yes, it would be would be a lot less laden with with fear and 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 wrong anticipation. So I got two more questions for you before I. Remember that is there. You see what happens when technology gets in the way. We're recording this interview using a technology called Skype. Many of you are probably familiar with it, and the connection just won't cooperate the way I would like it to. So this is a good example of pivoting, right? So this is where I adjust my course and dial back in with Robert to see if we can establish a better connection. But I wanted to um, point something out to you. Um, Robert mentioned um, that I uh, just completed Wizard. Uh, For those of you who are not familiar with New Peaks and their training programs, Wizard Camp is one of the programs that they offer. It's amazing. That's all I can tell you because if I told you more, then I'd be in trouble with Robert. Um, go check out New Peaks. It's easy. Newpeaks.com. Um, N-E-W-P-E-A-K-S.com. You'll find it in the show notes. Um, and there's programs like Warrior Camp and Wizard Camp and Reignite that I already mentioned and Millionaire Mind Experience and all sorts of programs that are highly beneficial not only for personal growth but also for professional applications so I want to encourage you to check it out and hey um, if you get the book which you will you'll get the pivot book you'll be coming to reignite and you'll see it in in live action so let's see um, I think I got Robert back let's see how this will work I'm glad we, we didn't lose you all together. Um, and as I was mentioning earlier, you and your wife, you have, uh, an, may I say, unusual family member. Um, <laughs> would you, you care to shed some light on that? Yeah, she is 200 pounds of solid pork and oh. on four legs. And um, her name is Gracie May, and she is a miniature and people go, at 200 pounds, she's not miniature, but I'll explain that in a moment. A miniature Australian Razorback pig. And she is um, a joy. I'll tell you, she gets us laughing and keeps us laughing every single day. Patterson, she was two days old when we started bottle feeding her. And now she's almost four. Wow. Four and uh, part of the family. Nice, nice. <laughs> and th- those of you who don't know you yet, uh, I encourage you to uh, look for Robert on Facebook, Robert Riopel's fan page. You might see pictures of a four-legged, 200-pound pork friend and pork family. <laughs> uh, I can't help myself. Whenever I see those pictures, I have to think of bacon, and I know you don't like that, but it's... <laughs> well, hey, 
People ask me all the time, Christian, because again, let's talk about cultural stuff here. Yes. You know, oh my goodness. Now that you own a pig, you don't eat meat anymore, right? And I'm like, <laughs> are you kidding? I'm a meatitarian. Hello. And and I, I explain, Gracie doesn't even know she's a pig. And her favorite smell, one of her favorite smells in the whole world is when we're cooking bacon. As soon as she smells it, she comes running into the oh, 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 kitchen. Wow. She's like, oh, oh, oh. And it's like, Gracie. <laughs> <laughs> your relatives <laughs> that's right and and you know it, it's actually it was funny because all of a sudden when you're mentioning and you're bringing up Gracie May that um, was one of those those kind of deciding moments where um, because I talk about as you know I share a lot about my family on stage my wife Roxanne my you know dog Diego my pig Gracie May and so I actually while I was overseas one of my students and one of the staff, they said, Robert, just so you know, make sure when you're in countries like Malaysia, countries like Brunei, they're very Muslim, don't talk about your pig. Hmm. And I'm like, what do you mean don't talk about my pig? And they're like, well, because, you know, they pork, they don't eat pork, the, you know, pigs, just talk about your pig. And at first, again, I want to be sensitive to the cultures. So at first I didn't. But as I'm in front of audiences more and more, I something wasn't feeling right because it was like I was holding back parts of who I am to people. And so I set a context and I just started sharing it, you know, that I have a pet pig and all this. And I started getting people that even though it, it, maybe it's not part of their culture, they loved the fact that I was sharing about my family, my whole family, my two-legged and four-legged family. Mm. And so again, you know, yeah, I could have just sat there and pick and chose and said, in this country, I don't talk about Gracie Mae, but this country I do. But now that's putting restrictions on who I am and me trying to fit in a box, which again is one of the biggest issues with people is when you try to fit other options in their boxes. And, and you know, I know you're, near the end you're going to ask for kind of a nugget of what can people take away from this. And it, it just for me, it's be you, plain and simple. Respect other cultures, but be you because that's the greatest gift you're ever going to give this world. So you, you just took away my last question by answering it. Awesome. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I apologize, man. It just that's okay. <laughs> so be you. That's That's the big key for you, right? And oh my goodness, yeah. Have you seen others adopting that attitude and have you seen how it changes the way they look at their environment by just being I, themselves? Yes, because I am um, almost, I guess what you could say, hyper aware of watching people and I love and the happiest people I find are the ones who show up in the world saying, here's who I am, like me or don't, but this is who I am. And and I'll use the example, um, oh my goodness, Christian, the first time in July was the first time I ever went to Japan. Mm-hmm. And before I traveled to Japan, I was, someone shared with me an interesting t- statistic that Japan has one of the highest rates of suicide in the world. Yes. And that, um, disheartened me and so I wanted to know why I, I'm a very curious person mm-hmm. and I wanted to know why so when I arrived in Japan I arrived a few days early so I did what I did 
I did what I do. I hopped on trains, I hopped on buses, and I just went and toured around and learned. And from watching people, I got it so quickly. Of of all the cultures I've been in, I've never seen one so um, stiff, so rigid on. And and you being German, you this is you know, the way I know Germany really used to be. Yes. And in a way, and yes. you know when I did my first visit ever to Germany. I, I noticed that it, it's changed a lot there because there's a lot of people who who um, are going, no, I will not be fit into this mold. And I see this in Japan as people have been told, this is how you act. This is what you do. Don't even think of trying to be an individual. And so the program I was teaching there wasn't a millionaire mind evening or event. It was actually enlightened warrior power. And what better... Um, what better or or um, <laughs> program to teach about standing in your personal power yes. and watching people there light up, watching people come out of their shells, out of their comfort zones going, wow, I can show up for who I am and I can be me. And it was like this huge weight lifting off people's, people's shoulders because one of the, and I guess that's one of the reasons I'm me, Christian, is because I've watched the pains of people who think they have to be someone else and it led to a lot of hard times a lot of sadness and unfortunately suicide and that doesn't work for me mm-hmm. when when by being you and not worrying about what others and other cultures um, if they can handle it or not if you're or if you're fit in you know that's power owning who you are all your greatness all your flaws all of it Nice, nice. Thanks for that. And by the way, um, just talking about Japan and its high suicide rate and 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 its uh, high conformity culture. Um, on this program in the near future, I haven't set a date yet, but we will be talking to a gentleman that Robert also knows well. Uh, his name is Taka Endo. He's a fellow student of mine in in the New Peaks world, and he is. Uh, about to become a trainer for New Peaks in Japan very soon, um, and he's agreed to to come on this program to talk about exactly that how how Japanese culture and and Western culture um, collide and 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 how they can come to terms with each other. So I'm very much looking forward to that, and so should you. You should be tuned into this in the future when we have Taka and other guests from around the world on this program. Robert, thank you so much for taking time. I know you, you are busy. You're you're getting ready for for your next flights. I'm speaking in plural to speak to thousands <laughs> of people uh, while 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 keeping your two-legged and four-legged family members happy while you're home. Thank you so much for for coming on, and um, I'll, I'll look forward to touching base with you in real life again soon. And who knows on this program in the very near future. Absolutely, my friend, and I look forward because. I miss seeing you. Well, we'll 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 make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Excellent. Thank you, Robert. Talk to you again soon. This was my amazing friend Robert Riopel. I want to I want you to take that chance and, and get to know him. Um, 
Easiest way to do that, as I said earlier, um, get the book, um, get the pivot book, um, which will give you the tickets to go to reignite. The uh, next reignite events will be in Orlando in December, just before Christmas. That's cutting it very close. Um, if we go by the publication date of this podcast but the next one will be in atlanta georgia in january and then uh, well you go check it out on the website first of all you just got to follow the link uh, that i'm posting on the blog and in the show notes get your book get your copy um, give them your address your shipping address that is so they can send you the book once it's done printing um before you get the physical copy, um, I hear they will also send out the um, audiobook. So there'll be a recorded version before you even get the, the printed version. Um, it comes with a workbook, a 21-day workbook. It's, it comes with a whole lot of stuff. So that, that's a lot of value. The book is free. You take care of shipping and handling. And um, you get the two tickets to the reignite event so once you're done entering all your information on the website it'll ask you to either commit to a date or say hey i'm not ready yet but it'll keep you posted when the next reignite events are happening and when they are uh, near where you live or where you're going to be at so I'll, i'm going to be at many of them i know i'll be at the one in orlando coming up um, i'll be at the one in atlanta and for the rest of 2016 i haven't quite figured out where my travels will take me but we will be in touch at least through this program through this podcast we've got exciting guests coming up in the new year so thank you all of you who are following this podcast who are listening it's because of you that i'm doing this um i hope you're being as excited about it as i am i enjoy this very much I wish you all a very, very happy end of the year. And however you celebrate it, if you follow Christian traditions, then Merry Christmas to you. And for all of you who um, have different rituals for the end of the year, make them good ones. Set good intentions for the next year. Uh, I'm not good with New Year's resolutions. Um, As you know, most people don't follow through on them anyway just make plans make goals set positive intentions where you want to be next year uh, which mile markers you want to pass i know my 2015 has been amazing and i can't wait for the new year to come around because we're gonna top 2015 hands down so with that being said the culture guy is out for now but it's only goodbye for a little bit until i hear and you hear me again soon Thanks, y'all. Talk to you again soon. This is the Culture Guy podcast. Bye for now.